All right, let's talk today about the rhetorical triangle. It's a device we use when we're reading a piece to try and understand the different ways we can approach it. The rhetorical triangle has three vertices on it, and each one represents one aspect of the reading process. It almost doesn't matter which one you put where, as far as which one's on the top, which one's bottom left, which one's bottom right. But what's key about the triangle is they're all interrelated. So when one aspect changes, it changes the other two. First, let's label those three vertices. One vertice, which we'll arbitrarily put on the top, we'll say is message, or sometimes we say text. Another way to look at this is this is what is being said. It's the substance of the piece. Another one of the vertices, we'll put this on the bottom left, is speaker. Who is delivering this message? Then, for the remaining vertice, bottom right, we're going to say audience. To whom is this message being delivered? Now, in all three of these areas, we have a lot more to say about each one. So let's go back to the top, message or text. As we said, this is what's being said, or if it's an argument, what is being argued. Not just a summary of facts, and not just a summary of um, the substance of the piece, but also what are its uh, arguments, what rationale is being given uh, for the argument, if it is indeed an argument what logic is being employed, um, what argumentative tactics are being used. All of that is part of message. What is being said? On the speaker vertice, we talk about something we call persona. The persona of the speaker is, we could call it a mask, except not a mask in the sense that we are hiding something. More of a, think of a mask that you might wear at a masquerade party. Yes, of course the mask obscures your true identity, but more than anything else, the mask is used to project something. It's projecting a, a personality. If you choose to wear, say, a devil mask, you're, you're trying to portray, sort of in a, in a funny way, but you're trying to portray a devilish personality. So when I say the persona can be described as the mask that we wear, I don't mean that in the sense of, obscure or hide. I mean, in the sense of project. Our persona is that aspect of our personality that we want the world to see at that time and place. It's not deceptive so much. Uh, you, you choose your persona. For example, your persona in school might be rather different from your persona at home. You're, you're a different person at home than you are at school in the sense of what you choose to show the world. So when we talk about speaker on the rhetorical triangle, we don't mean necessarily a biographical account of the speaker, although we could include those details. We mean instead, what persona is the speaker trying to project in this piece to those people? So you need to resist the impulse to think of persona as biographical data about the writer or about the speaker, if it's a spoken piece. 
Yes, the biographical data can help us understand a persona, but persona is not the same as identity. Persona is what are you choosing to project at that time, at that place, with that message to those people. So it's very fluid in that sense. The remaining word is audience. Again, don't misunderstand what I mean by audience. Audience is not who is reading or who is listening as much as who is being spoken to. And I know that seems like the same thing, but it's not. For instance, imagine a time you have gone to a movie and you have watched the movie and you've decided, now that was a quality film. That was a, it was a high quality movie. Its production value was very high. The acting was good and so on. But it simply didn't speak to me. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have because it didn't seem like it was for me. Well, you weren't the audience then. Yes, you were, you were in the audience. You were, you were watching. But you weren't the intended target of that message. That's not to say you can't enjoy it and you can put yourself in someone else's shoes and you can sort of imagine what it must have been like to be that person, but you would have had to do a lot of extra effort. So audience doesn't mean who heard this, or if it's a piece of writing, who read this. Rather, audience is who is the intended target. And by the way, the answer will never ever be everyone because that audience is, is simply too large. Much like persona and speaker, we don't think of audience by identity or, or, or demographic necessarily. We think of audience in much the same way as we think of persona, a set of characteristics. What sort of person is meant to listen to this, or if it's a piece of writing, meant to read this? Or another way to look at it is, on what sort of person will this message have a particular impact. So that's the three vertices of the triangle. Now, there is a, a another section of the triangle, but since we've run out of vertices, we have to place this somewhere else, so let's place this in the center. The center of the triangle, we're going to call purpose. Sometimes people say aim, sometimes they say intention, but we're going to use the word purpose. That is to say, what is this speaker trying to accomplish. So if you imagine your three vertices, purpose being in the center because it affects all three, what is this speaker, so you have your speaker vertice, saying, that's message, to those people, what is this person trying to get done? Now that's different from message. Message is what is being said. Purpose is what are we trying to accomplish? That may seem like it's the same thing, but it's not at all. Think of purpose mostly as a verb, something you're trying to do. For example, you might have the purpose to persuade. You're trying to convince someone of something. Now, there's a lot of subcategories to persuasion, but for now, we'll leave that there. Or you might be trying to inform someone of something. You're not necessarily trying to change someone's views or convince them of something. You're simply trying to relay information. Or you might be trying to entertain. You might be trying to amuse or make someone laugh or something like that. And there are myriad purposes. There's, there's no one master list of purposes. 
that we can go to and just select like a drop-down menu. But a purpose means what are we trying to accomplish? And we usually want to think of this as a verb. That is to say, the speaker is trying to advise or the speaker is trying to convince or the speaker is trying to um, uh, inform or the speaker is trying to teach. And there's there, you can keep going on this. So some sort of verb that explains what is being done. It's usually written in the infinitive form to teach, to inspire, whatever. Now be aware that purpose can change throughout the course of the essay or speech, whatever it is you're, you're listening to. Now, it, it won't change drastically. Like you won't go suddenly from trying to convince you of something to try and convince you of something else entirely. That'd be a change of message, actually. But what I mean is, you might have a piece that begins as informative and then starts to move into more of a persuasive piece. You might have a piece that, that is a hybrid. It might be entertaining, but also is persuasive at the same time. But ultimately, we want to think of pieces in terms of a single unified purpose that will help us in breaking down what a piece is not only saying, which would be message, but trying to do. Now, we have only one last thing to do with our rhetorical triangle, and it's not really part of the triangle, it's more of a circle all the way around the triangle, and that has to do with context, and once again, we might use slightly different words here, we, some people like um, environment or um, situation, I actually like occasion as well, and you'll see that in a, a future thing we do called soapstone, but we'll use context for now. Context means the situation, there's situation again, under which this was all happening. So if you think of the triangle, you have a speaker, a someone is saying something, that's message, to someone else, that's audience, for the purpose of, that's purpose. So all of that is happening, you just fill in the blanks there to get the, the specific piece. But it's all happening in a certain context. Part of that is the where and when, but we mean more of an intellectual context, not so much a, a physical presence. For example, if you were to take the uh, Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech, you have, you could talk about Martin Luther King's persona as speaker and message. What is he trying to say here? To whom is he speaking? And I don't mean the people standing at the National Mall, but what sort of person is meant to be uh, uh, targeted by this and then purpose what does he hope to accomplish by all this well the context isn't just well he's at the national mall on this day certainly that is a context but we mean more of a broader intellectual context of what was going on in the nation at the time uh, what was happening um, in the civil rights movement at that time uh, what was the what were the attitudes of people and that sort of bleeds into audience so context isn't only the time and place although that that of course is some of it it's under what conditions did this speaker deliver this message to those people and for what purpose so it all it's like a circle that goes all the way around the rhetorical triangle because it affects all the rest of the things in it. I mean, you can imagine that a speaker, if, if Dr. Martin Luther King, same speaker, gave that same message, message, 
to those same people, audience, for the same purpose, but did it under other situations or another context. For example, now, one might argue, well, it's all different. I mean, the, the context would change everything. And that's why we put context as sort of a circle around the entire triangle. Or maybe you could imagine that the triangle is, is like a raft floating in the sea of context. Because it does affect what's happening. Now, when you read a piece, often you won't know the context. Uh, if you're given a piece cold and you don't know under what conditions this was written or, or for uh, uh, what was happening in the world or even in the local community, well, then you'll have a little bit of difficulty understanding that. Context, like I said, can also be described as occasion. Occasion is slightly different. An occasion means what prompted the speaker to write or to say these words to those people at that time for that purpose. What made this happen? And that's related to context, uh, uh, same, same way environment's related to context. So we have all those parts of the rhetorical triangle. We have message or text, what is being said. We have speaker, who is speaking. Obviously, it covers writing as well, and that covers persona. What, what are the characteristics, does, what characteristics does the speaker want to portray? And then we have audience, not who is listening or who is reading, but who is the intended target? Uh, to what people will this message have special resonance? Then on the inside of the triangle, we have purpose or aim. What is the, in, uh, uh, what is the goal here? What do we hope happens as a result of this piece? And we have no set purpose that you can simply apply across the board, but we usually look at purpose as a verb often spoken in the infinitive to amuse, to inform, to persuade, something like that. And then surrounding the entire triangle, we have context or sometimes environment, sometimes situation, sometimes occasion, but they all mean roughly the same thing. Under what conditions did this speaker deliver this message to those people? Now, there's a lot more to this rhetorical triangle, which we'll cover in uh, uh, future uh, um, lessons. But right now, that's what we mean when we say rhetorical triangle. And that's a good entry point when we enter into some piece of writing. So, hope this helped. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later.